Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17 through 21. Whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for a lack of sense. Good morning, Mason family. Well, we are continuing a series here that we are calling Me and My Big Mouth. And this morning is reminding me of something that happened about a year ago because I don't have a monitor. For, a, for someone who preaches without notes, I rely on that monitor to be able to see what's coming so that I can preach towards that to the next thing. So we're going to, Mike's already showed me, I just stand down here and put my back to you and we'll be okay. But about a year ago, I was teaching Bible, I was teaching adult Bible class and during the middle of the Bible class, our preacher uh, called in, called in one of the members and said, hey, I'm not going to make it. I'm sick. I thought I was going to make it today. I just can't do it. So he went up to my wife during the middle of the Bible class and said, do I stop his class now and let him know that we don't have a preacher today? And my wife said, no, wait till the end of class which was actually a good thing. So right as soon as class was over, Mike comes running up to me. He goes, Dave, our preacher's not here today. I went, all right. Luckily, I had my thumb drive on me. We quickly went through and said, I looked through a bunch of sermon, different, different sermons, and I said, all right, this is what we're going to preach today. I looked at the first slide. I looked at the last slide. I got up there blind on the rest of it. Ended up, God did a whole lot of speaking that day. So you never know, that might happen again today. <clears throat> but we have been going through this, and so here's what we've been, I want to go back and show you what we've learned so far, what, we, what I showed you last week. We were in the book of James, and we looked at both chapter 1 and chapter 3. And last week we did, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I taught a hand motion with that, of something for you to think about, quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, I got to ask, did any of you, were any of you this week in a little discussion? We'll, again, call it a discussion, maybe argument, but a discussion with someone, and you found yourself actually closing up a little bit. You found yourself tightening up, and you remembered, ah, open, open, open. I hope that that's what you did, that you've learned to open yourself up to be able to listen to each other as we work to build relationships with each other. So we also learned this last week. Don't settle for being right, but make things right. James teaches us that it's more important for us to be right with each other than it is about being right. I don't know about you, but I love being right. And I have to set that aside all the time because it's more important for us to be right with each other than it is about me getting my point across or my words being used. We also learned last week that words are powerful, and that words shape us, and not only shape us, but they are, uh, to us and over us and about us. Those words that were, were said about you when you were in elementary school, and then in junior high, and then in high school, maybe even the words that this, your spouse in your first marriage said to you, those begin to shape us. And they become who we think we should be. 
We allow them to be powerful over us. So we've learned last week that words are powerful. They shape us. They create who we are. Words aren't equally weighted. The source isn't equally weighted. And the recovery time is not equally weighted. We learned about that last week. We also learned this. That when we say I'm sorry, it takes a little time sometimes for the person to react to that, to recover from that. And of course, it's very important for us to say I'm sorry for those words that we've said. But we also need to allow that person time to heal, to heal through the process. You see, we've got to be quick to listen and slow to speak. So this morning, instead of going to James, we're going to go uh, to Ephesians. We're going to go and see what Paul says about words. Because Paul actually says something about, about our speech and about our words that we use. And we're going, going to go to Ephesians chapter 3 this week and take a look at what Paul says. Now, we all know who Paul is. Paul, of course, was a missionary. Didn't start off being a missionary, though, did he? He was definitely someone on mission. And, of course, Jesus came to him and changed his mission, did he not? And Paul goes around throughout the whole Mediterranean area, teaching and establishing churches, creating Christians, making Christians, helping encourage them, teach them how to be more like Jesus. And, of course, he writes them and talks to them and encourages them along the way. And that's what we see here in the the book of Ephesians. We see here that that's what Paul here is trying to do, to go to the Ephesians and help them and encourage them. Now, the verse we want to get to, I think it's verse 29, if I recall right. We're going to look at actually a couple of verses ahead of that to be able to work our way down towards that because I want to put everything in context for us this morning as we look throughout this passage because to me, that's something very important to have everything in context. So in Ephesians 14, verse 17, it says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do, and the fertility of their thinking. What's Paul trying to remind them of? In their life, in their, in their way of living, their culture was a multi-God culture. It was one without morals, when you really think about it. And if you really think about it, it's because of Jesus and his teachings, what Paul then shared, and what the first century church really did, that really got us a moral compass, a moral value. Uh, to live by. They followed the gods, whether that was the Roman gods or the Greek gods. And I don't know if you've studied your Greek gods or Roman god history at all, but talk about the most selfish gods you could ever come across. They did whatever they wanted to, to whoever they wanted to, whatever they wanted to. And the people were being brought up to be just like the gods. So guess what their culture was? I do whatever I want to, whenever I want to, to whoever I want to. So Paul's trying to remind them here, remind them of that that lifestyle that they'd once had. He said they're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Now this sounds harsh, but Paul's not trying to be harsh in this moment. Paul's simply saying, this is the way it is. And trying to lay everything out here of what their lifestyle was, what the culture is around them is. 
He goes on. He says, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to, to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed. Remember that multi-God culture they live in? That selfishness? Now you see why Paul says this. Because that's what they were in. That was their culture. It's all about self and not about anybody else. And boy, if you're someone who's stuck in that kind of culture, it takes a lot to get out of it, to readjust your thinking. That's why we see Paul constantly over and over multiple letters telling the people about a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of direction. That's why Jesus taught his message. Change of direction. Focus on God. That's where our direction needs to be at, always. Paul goes on. That, however, is not the way of life that you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. In other words, Paul's reminding them, listen, I told you a different truth. I told you a new way to live. And I want to remind you of of those things. Those things that I taught you. The new culture that I want you to live in. A new lifestyle that that we want you to be a part of. He says, you were taught with regard to your former ways of life. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. Remember that former way of living. Remember that formal life that you had, that old coat, if you will. Take it off. Put it away. Because that's not the lifestyle in which you've been called to live. You chose to follow Jesus. And in doing so, that means you put off the old way of life. It's no longer about self and being selfish desires. And then he uses this word right here, deceitful desires, being corrupted by deceitful desires. You guys know what deceitful desires mean? Nobody knows? Or are we all just waiting for me to tell you? Deceitful desires, it's a word that we've probably never heard, heard this way before in this, in this kind of context. But a deceitful desire is a desire that you have and you obtain it, but there was also a promise in it that you put some type of promise inside that deceitful desire, that desire. And sure, you got the promotion, but there was something else there that you wanted along with it that you didn't get. Maybe you got the girl and you thought it would, would get you somewhere else in life but you didn't get there. And see, with a deceitful desire, a deceitful desire is always saying, next time, next time, the next time when you do, when you do this, you'll get everything you want to achieve. The next time. Deceitful desires are constantly whispering in our ears, next time, next time, next time we'll get it all. So Paul says to be made in a new attitude, new attitude of your minds, and to put on a new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He said before, take off that old jacket that you're wearing, that old culture, and put on the new culture, the new way of of living. And he says something else here that's very important here, to be like God. Paul puts that in there purposefully. Why? Because in their culture, the multi-God culture, they had, their desire was to be just like the gods. And Paul's reminding them, no, you don't need to be like the gods. You need to be like the God, the one true God, 
Because only in the one true God is found righteousness and holiness. That's it. The rest of it is just deceitful desires. So now to get to where we're going to this morning. Paul then says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. I looked up this little Greek word, and it's a little Greek word for unwholesome. And I want to tell you what it means, what it really means. In their culture, they would, they would have used this word to describe day-old, three-day-old fish. You ever smelt fish three days old? That's the word that's being used here to describe three-day, four-day-old fish. It's also what it would have been a word that they would have used to, to talk about an old pair of sandals. You know, a worn-out pair of sandals. I thought about Joel and his thongs this morning as I was going through this. Maybe you don't want to smell Joel's thongs that he wears around, right? That's the word here that's being used here. So really what Paul's saying is, he's saying, avoid being fish mouth. Don't use those stinky words. That's really what Paul's saying, which of course makes me think about this guy right here. We've got to make sure that we do not have stinky words in our language. Smelly, stinky words. That's what Paul here is trying to remind the Ephesians here. Get rid of that language, that stinky, smelly language. He also says a couple other words in this phrase. Do not let, which means what? I have control. Now, of course, last week we looked at James says our tongues are unbridled, they're untamed. There's no way to tame them, which means we have to put, do extra special work to work on holding our tongue, to work on it. And Paul's saying here, don't let anything come out. Don't let those words come out. Work to guard your mouth. Work to keep yourself in check all the time and in every way. We avoid fish mouth. How? By guarding our mouths. If we don't want to be like that guy, we have to guard our mouths. Paul goes on, though. He uses that big word, but. And he uses another small word right after that. He says, but only. Okay, so Paul's saying we can't use stinky, smelly, fishy words in our language. But only what? what? Only what, what, Paul? Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Only what is helpful. Paul tells us the words that need to come out of your mouth, they need to be helpful words. That's the words that need to come out of your mouth, not stinky fish mouth words. He also says another term here, building others up. And I don't know, he's talking my language here because as soon as I see that building cart, I think about construction site, that we're contractors. And really, that's what, what Paul here is trying to tell all of us. We're contractors. When we, have, when we have a conversation with each other, it's a conversation that is about building, not tearing down, but building. I don't know about you, but I love building big, tall buildings. It's a lot of fun. 
managing through that whole project. But Paul says, we have to be builders, not tear downs, but builders. And do, and do what? According to their needs. He put this in here. Why? That means that we have to have relationship with each other. We have to know each other. How else can I be helpful and build you up if I don't know you? I have to know what your needs are. And Paul's saying that we have to not use those stinky fish mouth words, but to be helpful, building each other up. Construction site. Think of your conversations as construction site. Building. So we can do and help each other's needs. He goes on to say that might benefit those who listen. Because there needs to be a benefit to the words that you use. The words that you choose to use. Paul goes on, he says, but do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we've taken this out of context a little bit of looking at this. But I'm going to tell you what I believe that that Paul is trying to say right here with this. When we use those stinky fish words, I think it makes God cringe. Oh, that's my son. That's my daughter. You just said that to them. Oh. And Paul's saying, don't make God's spirit cringe because of the words you just use. Don't allow that to happen. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit because of the words you just chose to use. Don't do it. Paul goes on to say, get rid of all bitterness. Really what Paul does here now is he gets to the root of why we use stinky fish words. He really does. He says, get rid of all bitterness. You know what bitterness is? Bitterness is holding on to those words that were used, that people said about you when you were in third grade, when you were in seventh grade, when you were in eighth grade, when you got married. Maybe your ex-spouse said something, and you've held on to those words. And it becomes bitterness in your life. And Paul says, get rid of that bitterness. I think I wrote this up in the article in the bulletin as a challenge for you this week. I want you to get out a piece of paper. Don't go to your your tablet or your computer and write something up. I want you to actually get a piece of paper out, a pencil out, and I want you to write down the things that you're bitter about, the things that are holding you back, the words that were used over you. And I want you to take that piece of paper. Don't tear it up. I want you to wad it up. Water it up, and then I want you to go put it in the trash can. And then I want you to take the trash bag and walk it out to your trash can. And the whole time you're walking out to your trash can, pray over that. Saying, God, release me of, the, of this bitterness. Allow this to be taken away from me. And see if that bitterness doesn't leave you. Why? Because, see, bitterness requires forgiveness. We have to be willing to forgive. Forgive those people that have said the things that they've said over us and about us. The things that have shaped us. Because giving someone from the past what they don't deserve. What do I mean by that? The person who said whatever it is that they said about you, they don't deserve your forgiveness. But God requires us to forgive them. And we need to forgive them. Give them what they don't deserve. Why? 
so that we can give those around us what they do deserve. The people we love, the people we live with, our families. See, if we're holding on to that bitterness, we're not able to give our families the things that they really need. And we're not able to use the words that we should be using with each other. Paul goes on, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, and brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. We probably never really thought about it before. This is all words. This is all talking about our language here, about getting rid of these types of language out of our mouths, not allowing it to happen, not allowing it to be a part of us. Came up with three words that I think may be a little easier to explain, that I think we fit into our vocabulary. Get rid of words that are demeaning or degrading or disrespectful. You know what it means to degrade someone? Be able to tell them that you don't make the mark. You didn't make the mark. You didn't make the grade. What does God say about us? Hey, David, did you make the grade? No, I didn't. I need some help too. Thank you, Father, for sending your son. Because see, none of us made the mark. See, we want God to give us a pass, which means we have to be able to give that to others. That we do not need to be degrading, demeaning, or disrespectful to each other. Paul goes on. He says, be kind. Be kind and compassionate compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. This is the life that Paul is saying that the, the new first century Christians were supposed to be living, which means we too need to be living this type of lifestyle. Being kind and compassionate, loving and forgiving each other. Just as, oh boy, Paul puts it here now to to us, doesn't he? Just as what, Paul? Just as in Christ God forgave you. Paul constantly reminds us of why we need to forgive, why we need to have this type of attitude, this new approach, this taking off the old and putting on the new. Why? Because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. That's why. That's why it's different. That's why we need to be different. This is my version of the golden rule. It's do for others what what God in Christ has done for you. And I thought today, since we're talking about our tongues, that maybe I should rephrase this a little bit. That really it should be speak unto others as God in Christ has spoken unto you. Speak to others the way in which we want God to speak to us. That's the type of language we should be having. That stinky, fishy, smelly words that we've used in the past, get them out. Stop using them. Don't be that guy. Paul calls us to be much better than that, different than what the world around us is like. So I'm going to go back through this. I'm going to read back through this passage, and I want you to think of two things as I go back through and read this. Number one is, 
Or do I have work to do? What do I have work to do on my language, on the way in which I interact with each other, whether it's with my wife, my husband, my children, my parents, whatever it may be? Where do you have a place that you need to work on? And then I also want you to think of this question as well. Who hopes you'll get to work soon? There's somebody in your life that really hopes that you change your language. There's somebody in your life that says, I sure wish he would speak differently to me. Who is that person? And what do you need to do? So let's go through this passage again. Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Don't let that fishy, smelly words come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful, building others up. We're a construction people. We're about building according to their needs that may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't make, don't make God go, ooh, what did he say that for? And get rid of all bitterness, all rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate and forgiving each other, just as Christ Jesus forgave you. So here's my homework assignment. If you're around me enough, you find out that whether I'm teaching Bible class or I'm preaching, I'm always giving out a homework assignment of some sort or another. I've already given you one about writing down your bitterness. So here's a second assignment. I'd like for you to memorize this this week. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It's not, even the whole, it's not even the whole verse. So I'm not even asking you to memorize the whole verse. I'm just asking you to memorize this portion of it. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up. You see, we have got to be quick to listen and slow to speak. James is right on with his words. Paul is right on with his words of telling us of how we need to speak, how we need to act towards each other. And we too need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. If you're struggling in anything today, I'm going to ask that you come forward as we stand and sing now.